Myself, Lauren, and Leo, welcome to the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 320, a time of release, our second of three all-new episodes this week. Before we get going, if you haven't done so already, please hit up our page on Apple Podcasts to rate and write a quick review if you get a sec. It helps the show so much, and we will be eternally grateful. This time around, friend of the show, the immensely talented and iconic Christina Ricci checks in to tell you all about her awesome new horror thriller, Monstrous, in theaters and VOD May 13th. We talk about the detail and care that went into crafting this unsettling period piece set in the 1950s and weaponizing the innocence of the era. It's all about monsters, mayhem, and impeccably cut sandwiches. Also, she lets us in on her thoughts on returning for another season of Yellow Jackets. Woo! Reuniting with Tim Burton for Wednesday and more. Stay cool, daddy-o, and put a nickel in the jukebox for episode 320 with Christina Ricci. Now slaying... What is this place? It's your new home. Isn't it wonderful? Hello? I miss you. I miss my son. Well, you better get used to it because you'll never see either one of us ever again. Mother, how could you have got my number? He just wants to talk to you. Why don't I come and stay with you for a while? I don't need any help. Everything is perfect. Ah! Cody. Mom, there's, there's a monster outside my window. You and I are completely safe. Like two bugs snug in a rug. That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. All right, so joining Bloody Disgusting's Boo Crew via the Speakeasy Studio is an astonishing performer whose work is so magnetic and compelling that it is folded into pop culture and entertainment history itself. Through her fearless choices and talent, she transforms films and TV projects into unforgettable memories and moments for us all and has this exceptional spark that makes every character she plays iconic. No matter what material is set before her, she's able to carve into it and connect with the audience in a powerful and compelling way every single time. This is seen in her continued legacy of working alongside the most inspired creators ever in cinema from Tim Burton to Barry Sonnenfeld, Terry Gilliam, the Wachowskis, Wes Craven, Spielberg, John Waters, and most recently Karin Kusama, and the stories that have truly become a part of us, including Mermaids, The Addams Family, Casper, Sleepy Hollow, Speed Racer, and now Yellow Jackets, just to name a few. She has earned over 21 awards in all the world's hearts and imaginations. We are so thrilled for her new project, Monstrous. It's a beautiful, horror a mystery that follows a woman and her young son as they begin to rebuild their lives after fleeing from an abusive ex-husband. They find themselves in a remote house being faced with an all-new monster. It's in theaters and on demand May 13th. We are so honored to welcome back returning guest to the show, Christina Ricci. 
Yeah. yeah. My God. Again, with such an incredible intro, I really am so flattered. Oh, you. And impressed with, with myself. <laughs> As you should be. As you should be. Yes, well, again, yes. thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about Monstrous and congrats on another incredible piece of work. And, and wow, what, what a unique one it is. And we will admit, uh, there are times as the story unfolds where we had an actual visceral and physical response left breathless by its impact. This one really crawls inside of you. And we were wondering if you could tell us about sort of your emotional journey in reading this phenomenal script by Carol Crest the very first time that you made those discoveries yourself. Yeah, I really um, was so impressed with the script when I read it because um, on the surface it reads, you know, it starts like a traditional horror film and then um, what is revealed and the psychological twist that that happened throughout the story. Um, ultimately, it's a story about somebody um, in, in really intense pain and somebody having response to um, a horror, a real life, a real horror in their life and um, sort of their trauma response. And um, it ends up being a really heartbreaking piece to have that hidden within this genre that's not necessarily known for that, I thought was really um Right. And I love, I think it's, you know, I love that smart connection between, you know, the, the, the horror, you know, that horror is a manifestation of um, psychological and emotional pain. And Monstrous is a, it's a remarkable period piece as well, taking place in the 50s. And the details are painstaking from the pristine classic cars and the clothing. From your perspective, what was that world like to play in? What did you find that it brought out in you? Um, I, th- I thought it was really fun. I mean, I love period pieces. Um, I think that they just um, give you more sort of creative freedom. They don't tie you to your version of your cur- your present reality as much. So I, I do love period. I also, um, for this, it was so great because obviously the period that's chosen is be- is because of its innocence and um, you know surface sort of um, happiness and positivity. So that's kind of a fun space to live in. And then also because of what is revealed ultimately in the film, we, the specific character design uh, for Laura was fun because we wanted to do the period, but then not necessarily do it exactly correctly. And there's something so sinister about adding that horror element to that era of innocence and purity that you touched on there, where even the old voiceovers on the TV commercials start to sound creepy as you go from all those classic yeah. sunny elements and hit songs of the era as it clashes with that all out ominous horror score and monsters. What do you feel about the way that polarity is kind of weaponized to completely unsettle us over the course of the film? Well, I think it's great because it really is, you know, it's about they kind of show the um, sort of hyper vigilant happiness and positivity of that period and really is about like a, and it turns into a desperate kind of positivity and happiness that is creepy. And I think that that's very much about what the character is going through internally. I know that there's a lot of the time movie magic that goes into these films. Was that house really close to that lake? No, nope, not at all. Nope. It's in the middle of a desert on a mountain. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> no water. Amazing. It looks yeah. like it's so close. I'm 
All right. Yeah, I was going to ask about also just the mechanics of creating that world and, you know, going into the in the scenes where you're going into town and there's all the, you know, the old classic cars and the extras are all dressed to the nines and in, in, in 50s gear and everything. And it really feels like we are there in that world. Was it shot on a, a location anywhere? Did you get to take over some streets of a town? Was it on a set somewhere? What's the deal there? We were on location in and around Los Angeles, and you know this is this was a really really low budget movie. So the fact that they were able to create this period um, and make it feel so real to people is really impressive because period pieces are very expensive um, traditionally. So um, we just kind of sort of were like shooting in different locations around the city and out in the desert. But yeah, it was a really low budget movie. The Boo Crew will be right back. Who slew Auntie Rue is the whisper of death that stalks along shadowed corridors. Won't everybody leave me all alone? Hey, and Rue will be so lonely. Don't leave me. No! 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 Can't stay here. Aunt Rue is a witch. Home, sweet home. Where creatures stalk the darkness. Where fearful illusion ends and frightful reality begins. Say goodnight to Auntie Rue, kiddies. It's dead time. Don't miss Shelley Winters, Mark Lester, and Ralph Richardson, who will never tell. And the teddy bear who knew who slew Auntie Rue. Who slew Auntie Rue? Who slew Auntie Rue in color rated GP? Yeah, working with your uh, co-star Santino Bernard, who plays your son, who's also fantastic in this. What was your favorite scene to shoot with him? Um, we always had fun in the car. He he's a really great kid, really fun. He would sing like pop songs I didn't know and tell me about them. So yeah, and the car stuff is always great for just getting to like hang out with with um, whatever actor you're working with. So we sort of bonded and all the driving things. To contain and orchestrate this experience, uh, we have this amazing director, Chris Syvertson, and, and you've worked with the best of the best. What were the things that were unique to Chris that, that made you trust in his vision? Well, I really, really love Chris as a director. I think he's so smart. And like I said, this was a very low-budget uh, movie that had to achieve a lot of sort of high-concept things. And he found um, the, the simplest and most effective ways around um, our sort of budgetary limitations. So a lot of like the way he shoots the monster approaching and, you know, the way sometimes the camera floats off of things and then back onto other things. I mean, those were all workarounds for the budgetary restrictions. Um, And it's all stuff that came from Chris, Um, the design of the monster, all of that stuff. And I just think, you know, it's successful because he is really um, a smart director. Taking a peek behind the curtains on that monster a little bit. So yeah, we do have this awesome creature at the center of the story. What can you tell us about how that was brought to life? What were you interacting with on set? Was there a practical element to it at all? What was the story behind that? I was acting with a stunt double, a lady stunt double, who is basically in that Balenciaga outfit that Kim K wore to the Met, the entire black (laughs) headpiece. Basically, that is what she was wearing. 
and so I, I, that, that's who I would interact with in the scenes. Um, and then they did all the effects on top of her. Wow. Oh my gosh. Wow. No, that looked, it looked outstanding. It was very, very creepy. Yeah. It is a very intimate cast and that allows lots of screen time and interplay between you and, and Santino. Was there anything you guys did to kind of build that organic connection? What was he like to work with as a dance partner on this? He's great. I mean, he's been working for years. He's like a totally professional child actor, so talented, wonderful to work with. Um, and, you know, I mean, he, he knew exactly what he was doing. And we didn't do any kind of rehearsals beforehand. We didn't even meet before we shot. But, you know, he's a really good actor. So, you know, they can kind of, usually if people know what they're doing, they don't, you don't really need to do that much real time bonding and you get to cre- recreate a uh, basically a universal monster movie at one point how fun was that right <laughs> it was really fun it, it, it's fun to be in stylized things and to be like oh we're doing a super high concept thing and that was one of those moments where it's just like oh this is you know i love the costume i'm in is cool and the shots we're doing i recognize and i you know get the references and this is fun you know and in terms of building Laura, we love that there were things about her that could be said were left to the imagination as far as her path and backstory. She appears to be an extraordinarily talented sandwich maker, for instance. And there's an interesting book at some point that pops out. What is something about Laura that, that you put into her in your portrayal that was maybe part of her past that you think the audience might find interesting that wasn't maybe delved into on, on screen in an obvious way? Well, I didn't really do any sort of secrets. I felt like for this character, so much, uh, really the main drive of this character is um, vigilantly living in the present or whatever present she is living in. Really, she's escaping the past. So not even in her head, kind of living in the past. So I felt it was sort of important to almost have a certain level of, of shallowness. Like she's always operating from the front of her brain. So I didn't really have too much backstory secrets with her um, or too many backstory secrets. I do. I did decide, though, that tragically, this is a person who probably has had a really lovely life and everything was really perfect and good until this trauma happens to her. This film has a conclusion that's going to suck the air out of the room of anyone who sees it. Have you had the opportunity to see this in a theater with an audience yet? No, you know, I haven't. I've still only seen it at home on my computer. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is definitely one thing that I, I mean, the same with us. And I've watched it. We've watched it a couple times, actually, together. Yeah. And, um, yeah, th- that's one of those things I would love to see in an audience surrounded by people. And to get that reaction would be very, very fun. That's true. <laughs> I do wonder what that would be like. That would be fun. Maybe I'll sneak into the theater. Yeah, I will definitely say that when you rewatch it for a second time, like you notice so much more that you didn't notice the first time and certain words mean something to you. So like I would oh, good. definitely suggest watching it twice because you get a completely different experience. Oh, good. I'm glad that worked out because we did intentionally kind of like leave little things that, you know. Right, later. right. And it's not, a, not, a neat, not an easy thing to do as well to kind of keep all that in there and make it as rewarding the second or third time, you know, that, that you see something. So that's very cool. Moving ahead. I mean, we're so thrilled for season two of Yellow Jackets on the way. What's the latest with that? What are you excited to explore in returning to Misty for this next next round? I'm excited. I don't know what she's going to be doing. I don't know anything about the season. 
I would assume she goes after Natalie, but I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, we start shooting the end. Well, we start shooting, I think, not officially, but um, it's probably going to be around the end of summer. And I'm just really excited. I just want to know what I, what I get to do. And the character is so fun that um, when you're talking about, like, what Misty gets to do, it's usually pretty insane. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, to find out. And finally, we know you can't say anything about Wednesday, but we'd love to know just what things do you find working with Tim Burton again awakens in you? Is there any sort of playfulness or energy that is specific to him that is tangible? Tim is just so great and he's such a genius and his work is so incredible. And so I think what is wonderful about working with Tim Burton is that no matter what he says, you're just like, okay, sure. Yeah. Doing that, I'll do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just you completely put yourself in his hands and do whatever he wants, and it always comes out brilliant. And that is a really lovely, fun feeling. Well, Christina, thank you so much for your time. It's always such a delight to speak with you. We appreciate all that you continue to do in searching out these powerful and engaging worlds for us to inspire and excite us. And we love it so much. Oh, thank you so much. It's fun talking to you guys always. That was the Boo Crew Podcast, episode 320. Special thanks to our guest, Christina Ricci. Follow her at Ricci Grams on Insta. At time of release, you can see her new film, Monstrous, in theaters and VOD May 13th. We strongly recommend it. It's a great time, as is everything she does. Production tracks for this one provided by Powerman 5000. Till next time, it's the Boo Crew saying, sweet screams. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at TalesFromTheBoo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye. A bloody disgusting podcast network Home of the Boo Crew Horror-centric interviews SCP archives Weekly full cast storytelling Horror queers Genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective And creepy For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream audio And at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts